I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, catching up and a bit of an exhale. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy, and this is episode 329 exhale. Weird week. Weird week. I can't tell if I'm living in my head more and more. Never even quite sure what that phrase means, but I know that's sort of the either or. I am either living in my head more and more, or am I just mellowing and slowing, simply gliding through time and space? Not bad, not good, just gliding. Even. Things feel even. A bit blunted, muted, and even feels odd, but it also feels quiet. That's part of it. There is something very quiet happening. Something is going on, and I don't know, but I think it is more and more living in my head. And I know I need to shake myself up a bit, a bit of a jolt. I think this is an exhale show. Not that I am aware of holding my breath, not at all. I am breathing in this evenness, in this gliding. And yet it makes me sometimes stop and worry that in fact, maybe I am not breathing. Am I waiting? Am I paused? Am I counting sheep? Am I ticking off days until the next span of things are over? Or this or that happens or the ground finally gives way. There is a stillness that is not still. I was actually thinking yesterday of the laundry list of things I have done this month. Things tackled, things dealt with, calls made, glasses returned, things I did that I don't like doing. Lots of things, all within this stillness. Eat a frog, eat a frog, eat a frog. I keep thinking about that phrase. I keep changing it to draw a frog some days, draw a frog an exhale. Maybe it's an exhale because I need to push air out. Need to hear the whoosh of it and see the steam of it to know that in this gliding and stillness and silence, I am here. An exhale can be an attempt to reach, a need to connect. It can stem from a need to connect After an intro like that, the metaphysical whoosh of it all, maybe things really chink into place when I say that I have been learning more about Enneagram this month too. Maybe that offers an aha moment, the flash of a light bulb in the darkness, the context that makes everything make sense, or maybe not. Maybe the arrows on the sketch note go one direction. I'm learning and in so doing and finding myself in this space, this space of reflection and introspection and uncertainty and quiet and stillness and gliding 
or maybe the arrows go the other way. And I am in this space and it has given me something that made me more curious about or open to or receptive to the Enneagram. Probably the arrows go both ways. A cycle of push and pull, give and take, but origin unclear. I find myself using arrows a great deal these days too. Visual signs of connection, of sequence, of relationship. Arrows. Signs that are incredibly easy to draw. Everyone can draw an arrow, but they do convey a great deal. So yes, I have been learning more about Enneagram. I have been listening to Enneagram podcasts, lots of them. At Instagram, I talked about the Sleeping at Last podcast episodes that are specific to the Enneagram. And I used those as a way to listen to and learn more about Enneagram, as well as practice sketchnoting. Those are amazing shows. I really, really love the Sleeping at Last music, and I really like the shows on the Enneagram. I like listening to how they talk about the types, how they talk about the music. They're really, really, really worth listening to. So I encourage you to check those out and check out all of Ryan's music. Doing those sketchnote practice sessions, that was a good nudge. It was a good starting point. It was a good focus and anchor and way to sort of make myself do something that had really set parameters. There is one show for each type and only one through six is currently available. So there were six shows to work through. And that was a really good thing to do. They're long shows. It's a little tough fitting those in, making time at night to listen and sketch note instead of doing something like watching TV. But I found it a really, really good process. And it was a good way for me to learn by doing, learn by doing something that has some personal meaning and personal interest for me, instead of just practicing for the sake of practicing. So I would much rather just dive in and do something and try it and learn on my feet than spend a whole lot of time putting it off and putting it into the future and practicing and getting ready And missing out on all the times when I could go ahead and be doing it. So learning by doing is much more how I approach things like this. I have decided that I'm doing it wrong. (laughs) That I'm going about things wrongly. I have really come to a sudden moment of awareness. And that is something I'm thinking about. It has me derailed just a little bit. I'm sitting on an off-ramp thinking it through. And it has derailed me, but maybe it derailed me just because I hit the last episode of that series and I haven't found the perfect series to continue this kind of practice with. Sketchnoting those shows was win-win though. I got to learn more. I got to practice. It was good work to have done and it was a good realization that I've come to. So more on that some other day, maybe it is sort of what I am doing in my own head and in my own practice time and in this weird space of gliding, I guess. I have been trying to listen to books on tape while I walk or more recently while I jog or while I drive here and there. And that worked really well earlier this year. It really did. Switching to books on tape was a first for me and I listened to some great things, but I've been having trouble finding something I can really sink into, something that really is hooking me. 
something that I don't have to keep replaying over and over and over because I realize I have zoned out or tuned it out in my head, in my head. So I have switched again. I am back listening to some podcasts and I set up a playlist of Enneagram shows for the long drive I had last week. There are a couple of shows that I got led to one way or another. So I pulled together this list and I had a great time listening. And I've been enjoying listening to these two shows in particular throughout the week. Every time I'm in the car, I've turned these shows on. Enjoying the conversation between these people, the easy talk, the discussion of the different types, the discussion of people, and the way we do things. Impetus and rationale and motivation and the very different ways that different people approach things. So listening, I've been doing a lot of listening and a lot of thinking. And maybe that is where this quiet is coming from. These are conversations I wish I could have with other people. So listening and thinking, there are many, many doors and windows to follow with this. There are many books and there are a few books that someday I will get my hands on. I am not looking for an easy answer, though. I'm not looking to just take this test and say, okay, that's what I am. And just let it go. And that has been something that I am watching in myself because I'm not really looking for an easy answer. It seems clear that my own answers are not easy. They are not always clear cut. It has been immensely gratifying to hear others on these shows talk about their own processes taking time. It doesn't for everyone, but for some it does. For some, the answers are not so easy. Time, months, years. I do know what I think. I do know what I think. I know what some of the tests tell me, and I know what other tests tell me. They don't always agree. I know that I'm the kind of person to not just take one test and consider that my answer. I'm not this kind of person to take a test only once. So listening, thinking, pondering. I am letting myself simply take it all in. Just take things in. And in addition to my introspection, I'm also finding myself really thinking differently about the people that I interact with, the group dynamics, the things that sometimes put me off or set me off or push my buttons or make me feel uncomfortable in my own space. Thinking about those things and looking at them in different ways or from new angles, thinking about how I might better understand those moments. And maybe something else is coming of this, something that I haven't always completely understood. The fact that not everyone thinks the way I do. Now, that is one of those know-it-don't-know-it moments, because I do know that not everyone else articulates how they think the way I do. But maybe I didn't really and truly get the nuances, the layers of that difference. And so that has been really interesting, hearing, hearing from different people and hearing some of what goes into these different, these different types, the caricatures of these types, at least. So all of this listening and taking some of these tests repeatedly has had me really thinking about certain words, words that I 
find myself puzzled by because I find it especially puzzling that some of these words I think are hard to sort out. Words that I wonder if I've ever really even thought about or even used. So I am really just watching and more curious than anything. I could be listening to a book just as easily. I could be listening to some random podcast just as easily. But I have been asking myself questions that I think some people ask and answer about themselves more easily than I do. Some of those questions really stump me. Some of the dichotomies stump me. And sometimes I find myself thinking, hmm, am I this or this? When my answer is always, I am really both. Whereas other kinds of systems have left me feeling like I ended up with a type that didn't really fit, and so I just dumped it. I am interested enough to keep sort of pushing at this one and seeing what I think, where it goes, and what kinds of things it can unlock in terms of understanding other people. So let's go back to those first words. I can't tell if I'm living in my head or just mellowing. There are movements and shifts happening, and what this leads to, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't have a forecast. I don't have a goal. I don't have an end point. I'm kind of just passing the time, and yet I'm kind of letting it sink in. I'm totally enjoying the podcasts, enjoying the talk. I'm identifying with some statements and stories that I hear. Sifting, yeah. I'm sifting and I am gliding. Pruning and decluttering and sorting and organizing has been a hot topic recently in our groups. It's everywhere, though, really. So many books on how to declutter your life. And I've done my share, although no one at all would probably be able to tell. If you walked into my space, you would shake your head. Some of you would run screaming from the room, I have no doubt. This is definitely a task that has a different scale for some of us. And I have struggled with some things for sure. So much, so much, so much. But there was pure irony last week when I received a list of my son's artwork that his studio was requesting for a small master student exhibit. You heard me talk about the salon being slow to adopt technology. And this studio, this studio is the other place in my life that stands out as being so incredibly low tech, very paper bound. They handle hundreds of students, wait lists a year or more at this point from what I hear. And yet everything is managed through paper. Now, I think there's a possibility they've upgraded some of these things. I don't know. I don't go in. I'm not there anymore to see it happen. But I have such a strong, strong image of them with paper and of going in to try and schedule a makeup or something like that and having them make a mark on a page and rifle through some pages and look at the system of symbols and try and figure out if there were any openings. And it was always this mysterious, mysterious paper system. So they sent me a list, it's a table really, of every single piece of art my son has created there since 2009. 
The whole list is handwritten. It's a Xeroxed form that the instructors fill in for each student clearly. It's got the date of each piece, the subject, the medium, one or two other classifications they use. And they highlighted 20 or so pieces that they wanted us to bring in for consideration for this show. All the way back to 2009. Now, in my head and in my heart, I am a much more organized person than I am in reality. I say that in all honesty. I am realizing, I am realizing that I'm not nearly as organized as probably I want to be, or as sometimes I think I am, or even as other people think I am, or maybe as I used to be. I'm not sure which or if it's all of those, but all of those things come to mind as possibly true. So I'm not nearly as organized in reality as I am in my head. And I understand that. I get it. I get it. I get it because I can't ever find anything. I can't find anything. When I first looked at the list they sent, two pages, I thought there was no way that we would have all these or that we would be able to find all these. I started thinking through all the different places. I know I have seen kid work, kid stuff, kid papers, sentimental piles, all the different places. Yeah, they're not all in one place. There's no way we would have all these things. I mean, really, he's now almost 18. He's painting urban street and window scenes in oil. Those early days are so far in the past. I'm not sure that we have every single cartoon character he did in pastel from those early classes. That's what I thought. I looked at that list and thought, oh, you've got to be kidding. Unless it was something that I loved so much that I tacked it to the wall, I really wasn't sure what we would be able to find. Some of you remember, I'm sure, when all of this started, the progression through mediums where he was coming in as a marker kid, how he really didn't like watercolor when he got to that, how he really pit-stopped and gravitated to charcoal for a long time. And now he defines himself by oil. Ten years. Ten years. When I first saw that list, I panicked. He might not get to have this show if we couldn't turn up at least a fair number of those pieces. And I felt like it would be totally my fault if that happened, my responsibility, because, right, he was seven when he started. Of course, it was me who either did or did not hang on to things appropriately. And if I was a different kind of person, I probably would not have hung on to those things. So I may not be organized now, In truth, there's a box, a big box, sitting on a chair in the dining room still with all the canvases he brought home from last year at school because I don't know what to do with them. I don't know where to put them. They're still just sitting there months and months later. And we don't have a flat file large enough to hold all the things he's working on. But 10 years ago, 10 years ago, things were smaller, right? They were smaller. And I had a simple plastic folder It supposedly had a little kind of zipper top that never worked. That zipper never worked. But I had this folder, and I had one for myself too, and I put a whole bunch of my work in from those years. It's not fancy, but back then when he brought something home, I put it in this folder. And I haven't looked at that folder 
in years. In years. But last week, I was really glad about that folder. And glad that even though it wasn't stored all that safely, or preciously, or zipped up, or even flat, it was kind of standing up somewhere, I had a general sense of where to find it. That was good. That was key. That was a big thing. There are some random pieces hanging in other places. Things I pin to the walls, things I thumbtack to the walls, things that are on the mantle. Most of the canvas work is propped all around the house. Those early works, though, on paper or on really small canvases, they all went into that folder. And I guess at some point I stopped using that folder. But when I pulled that folder out, when I went and found it, and was so relieved to find it where I thought it was, I was amazed to see all those pieces. Many of them individually slipped between a folded piece of paper, a smart move to minimize smudging. I'm really glad all these years later that that was how a lot of those pieces came home. In that folder, we were able to find much of the work. Work we didn't really even remember him doing. And then we reached the section that was related to the high school admissions portfolio, the pieces on the list that were from that time. And that caused a bit of panic because those were not in the folder. Those pieces we knew had had their own portfolio, which was a requirement of the process. And we didn't know really where that was. So there was some finger pointing, some panic, some sighing, but we found it. I found it that whole series of pieces. What he has needed and what has worked has evolved through the years for sure. But pretty much we found it all. Pretty much. And what they requested involves work created at the studio, of course, not what's going on at school. So it's just part of what these years have held. But it was very interesting to see this progression to see the list. And I was glad I hadn't thrown those early pieces out the same way I have weeded through other things, through school things, school projects, school artwork, different kinds of assignments. Every time I weed, I weed some more. The farther I get from kindergarten and first grade and second grade and third grade and sixth grade, the more I throw out. I can see many parents dumping artwork from 10 years ago. I am still so surprised that the studio simply assumed that we would have all of it. I'm really glad that we did, but I'm still really surprised at the assumption because I can look at a recent work and know how amazing it is, and I might have kept a really early work, but maybe not the 20 or 30 after that. I know some people wouldn't have kept all those pieces always feels so risky when you start weeding and throwing out because there's always that chance that somebody's going to ask you for it or you're going to need it someday. It's just a strange, strange scenario to have come up on the heels of all of this get rid of everything, simplify your life, move more unencumbered into the future thinking. Their handwritten list, it's quaint, but what A wonderful record it is. I wish I had a list like that of my work. I say often that I'm going to keep a list like that. 
and a master notebook of sorts, a collections book, so many collections that I want to keep, that I say I'm going to keep. I have good intentions, just like I have good intentions to be so much better organized, and I always fall through. And I know some of you do this kind of tracking, and you do it wonderfully, and you're really committed to it, and I admire it. I really do. And I wish that I was doing a better job at it. You are that organized and you live that organization in a way that I wish I did and was. Maybe next year. That's what I tell myself. Maybe next year. Maybe in 2019. Maybe starting January. And then I say, well, why not start today? Why not start tomorrow? Why not start with Inktober? And why? Why? That's the counter voice. That's the devil's advocate. Why? Why at all? Because no one else needs that record or will care. But I think maybe I need that record. I guess sometimes I want that record. I wish I could see it. I wish I could glance at it now and then at points of reflection, a simple list of pieces created. I think what happens is that with daily art, it's kind of a bigger task. When you're working on something once a week and it takes a couple of weeks to finish one, then over the course of a year, you don't have 300. You don't have 50 necessarily. You might have 30. It's a little easier to keep that list. With daily things, it's just a bigger task. It feels more overwhelming. It's easy to get kind of flooded by what it means. Whereas really, if you took it step by step, just day by day, it's probably very manageable. So I think about it, that kind of list. That's always where I fall off the path, though between the desire for organization and the reality. Tracking this dozen or so, that makes sense. Tracking 365, and then 365 the next year, and then the next, it just becomes too big. Too big. And I just shut down. I turn away. But I should. I should do it. We should all do it. What a treasure it was to see their list of his work. There is so much to this. To the ways in which it relates to this show, to me sitting here, to this quiet, introspective place that I am in so much, to how quickly time passes, to what is happening right now with his art, to what I thought and where we were in 2006 when I started the show, to all the cars and trucks he drew before that, to the Pokemon cards, to the ATCs, the graphic novel experiments, artist dates, You will have to humor my nostalgia at some point in coming months because it will all reach a point of overflow, I have no doubt. But right now, I don't want to talk about these things. I don't. I don't want to jinx anything. I don't want to sway anything. I don't want to encapsulate anything. I just want to let these months unfold and then be able to stop later because I think I'm going to have plenty of time to be able to step later and reflect on whatever happens and what I remember of these years. I had all kinds of plans to record these years better and chronicle these years, and there were projects I wish he and I could have done together to do that, to record and chronicle and talk about and elucidate these years. And none of those things happened. There's always a lot more talk than there is time to really do things. So I think down the road... There is more to this. I am in my head these days, happy, sad, struggling, alternately burying my head in the sand and facing the fires at the same time, sliding, gliding, worried that there is such a sensation of drifting. And I can't figure out if it's actually a good sign or a bad sign. 
Is it feeling or is it thinking? So Inktober is coming with its demands. I am a bit conflicted this year. Not that I won't draw, I will. Not that I don't want to draw, I do. Not that I don't want to use ink, I do. But I signed up for a group Inktober class through Sketchy, and over the last week or so, I have been wishing that I hadn't done that. I am not really sure that that's what I want to do. I thought it was. I thought it was. But now I'm not. I'm in this gliding place, and it's a lot less pressure-filled. I am not sure I want to race. I don't want to feel pressured. I don't want to be in the middle of a comparison game. I don't want to spend hours each night right now. I really don't. Not hours each night to the exclusion of other projects. I am feeling my own drummer. I feel like I always do, but I'm really feeling my own drummer, and that's probably not necessarily better for me. It's not necessarily as productive as when I do these other things. I miss the satisfaction of the productive portrait a day approach. I am drawing daily, but not sharing daily, and that leaves me adrift. I feel adrift because I have so little to share these days. Or maybe more accurately, I don't trust the sharing of what I'm doing. Not everything is a finished thing, and I do think that is a much harder kind of share. So I do feel adrift. I really dream of a place where sharing every day is easy and comfortable and creates something sustaining and nurturing for everyone involved. But I do think it's much much easier said than done. If you are gearing up for or considering Inktober, I do encourage you to do it. But I also encourage you to not overthink it. Really, really, you can use any pen. And you can do your drawings any place you want. You can do some of them in your planner and some of them on index cards, and some of them in a special book, or you can just start a field note and fill it. You can staple together a stack of loose leaf, or random, or assorted, or salvaged, or reclaimed paper. I just don't think it's really about creating something that at the end is some humongous product that you can, that you're going to sell, put it that way. It's more about the process of doing it. And I feel like there's more and more risk of losing sight of that. So I encourage you not to overthink it. And not to feel like you have to have the best paper possible because you don't. If it makes you feel better, great. But you can draw in a composition book or on a receipt too. It also counts. It counts and it works. So Inktober, do it if you like drawing or have been wanting to draw or wanting to draw more. Do it if you are a painter and feel the need to shake things up for a month to clear your head. The break from paint might give you a new zest the month after. Do it if you want to experiment with a certain pen or color of ink. Do it if you want to do a series and can then use Inktober, the hashtag, and the community as a motivator. There is momentum in doing something that you know that others are doing. But don't do it 
just because you have a fear of missing out. Don't do it if you know that you can't fit it in and it doesn't really speak to you right now. Don't do it if you are really more interested in doing other things, other things that you are already doing or that you're going to start doing. Decide for yourself. But don't feel that you should make apologies one way or the other. You don't have to. Everyone is making her own decision about what to do in any given month, in any given week, on every given day. There is no right or wrong. Not a blanket right or wrong. Not a one size fits all. It is great to be drawing when others draw if that is what you are wanting to do. But many of us draw every day, so it is just another month. And for you, it is just another month for whatever you choose to do. Many of you choose to put so many things on your plate. So many things. I can only imagine how exhausting sometimes it feels. And I can't do that, and I am not apologizing for that. I am very pragmatic about what I choose and how much. I wish for you, for each of you, balance and the ability to look at your projects and goals and wishes all spread around you and choose the one or two or whatever number is realistic for you that will get your time, your energy, and your heart for the month or for a week or for two weeks. You don't have to commit to a month for every single thing you decide to do. Look, evaluate, decide, make a tiny personal commitment. I'll do a week, or I'll do 10, or I'll do two weeks, or maybe I'll do a month. And then work on it. Your group, your community, your followers, they will love to see what you are doing and cheer you on regardless of the medium. Regardless of the medium. So do what you enjoy, what you love. And yeah, I get it that you may also love drawing, but just can't really see that it fits in right now. That's okay, too. That's okay, too. You can draw at any time. You don't have to have a community hashtag to make it possible and okay to have a focus on something. Do what you love. And as you decide what is for you, what is right for you this year, this week, today, realize that it is for you and it is your decision. Don't take others down with you. Be open to the fact that the answer is different for each of us. So rarely, so rarely can we even come close to understanding the full story for each person, understanding the why. What is so much more empowering and rewarding, nourishing and graceful is appreciating and supporting and cheering when someone does have a project, a project that she's chosen and that she is committing to for however long, regardless of whether it's the same project that fits a certain month. Those months are just constructs. They are just ways to divide the calendar and to give order that really works for some people. They are constructs. 20 women coming for coffee on Sunday, each with a piece of art from the night or week before, each in a different medium. How exciting that could be. There is 
every bit as much power in that as in 20 women coming to coffee, each with a drawing in ink, a drawing in some cases begrudgingly done. Life is too short. Too short. Choose the project and the medium you most care about. And do it your way. Do it your way. My goodness, when you're doing work on your own as a hobby, as a way of self-care, as a way to balance, as a way to grow, as a way to tune out the world, as a way to think, as a way to just stop and meditate, when you're doing your own work, what difference does it really make if there are rules coming from somewhere else? I am not big on rules for something like Inktober other than it involves ink. So I, I do have a line there. If you're working in pencil, I don't think you should call it Inktober. If you're working in ink and you want to call it Inktober, great. If you're working on paintings, you're not doing Inktober, but you may have an awesome month of paintings. Again, don't overthink it. Don't get so caught up in what may be right or wrong or what other people are trying to tell you is right or wrong about a given month and about your work, your art, your way of balancing your process, your product. Choose the medium and the project that you most care about and do it and enjoy it and love it. And then if you change your mind in a week or two weeks, that's okay too. You can switch. You can start something else. But you don't have to have a month hashtag to define your work. I am the art. The art is me. That is it for today. A long and rambling show. I'm living in my head, right? Gliding. As always, I'm Amy. You can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. Show notes are available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidless. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy and as the Creativity Matters Podcast. Thank you to those of you who support the show at Patreon. That's patreon.com slash creativitymatters. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. I think it will be October before you hear from me again. So get your trackers in order. If you're going to track, think about what you want to do and go into it with a really positive, positive spirit. Have a good week.